This is Restless. Pastor Michael, pour a hot beverage, settle in, because we are, we're doing it, everybody. You've asked, you you know who you are. You've already asked me to do this. You've asked Pastor Michael to do this, so we're doing it. Pastor Michael, how are you doing, and are you ready to do this thing that I have so far left unnamed? <laughs> Is it is it because we're talking about he who shall not be named? Um, oh, he, I'm doing well, Matt. I'm doing yeah. well. And uh, before we jump in, I think it'd be good um, as we have teased this a little bit uh, to point people in the direction of the Restless Patreon. Mm. Um, it is, hey guys, Christmas is coming up, and uh, we're getting really close. Great gift idea is that you could pay for somebody to become a Patreon, a Patreon member of the Restless Podcast. Uh, there's different tiers, there's different benefits, but um, honestly, one of the main benefits uh, that we've we've just been talking about uh, behind the Patreon paywall a second ago is our uh, patrons group chat, which mm -hmm. is going on all the time. I, I actually can't keep up with it, and uh, Matt tries to. And it's just great. It's been a really great group of people, um, somewhat diverse and uh, just interesting in in the different ways that people think through these things, uh, but all brought together around some common interests, obviously. Um, so it's that's that's been great. Uh, obviously, there's also tons of extra content, um, including a little bit of a, uh, a, you know, a bit that we just recorded about to go into this episode. Um, also, before I'm off this topic, uh, you can go to the restlesspodcast.com, um, go to the the store tab, and you'll find a, a link to A Very Restless Christmas, where you can find uh, specifically Christmas-themed restless merch, including wrapping paper and uh, you know holiday sweatshirts and things like that. So, uh, please go check that out. Um, it's one way that you can support us if you want to do that. Especially if after this episode, this is your last episode because you're unhappy, make sure you buy some merch on your way out. Right now. Right, right now. <laughs> before, oh, before continuing to listen. <laughs> Enjoy that product placement right now. Uh, because we will be naming he who shall not be named. And we will, as I was... Asked by a patron, will you finally break the silence about Doug Wilson on the Restless Podcast? Because it's been deafening. Um, so let me just let me make one brief comment about that deafening silence. Um, and then we'll get to why. Because we are going to find out if tonight Pastor Michael is ready to keep riding with. Is he going to ride or die with KDY? Or is he going to is he going to uh, be a Christian prince? with doug wilson i guess that's kind of what we're which way which way modern reform man that's the that's the question for the night um the silence well, i don't think it's been deafening i think again to the certain group of very reformed very online very conservative people you're probably you can't believe we haven't been talking about doug wilson but to be fair to everyone else in the world, this is a pretty small group, like comparatively. Um, and and again, maybe it is getting to the point where we're where where this is about to be mainstream. And so uh, it's just been um, it's just been a thing that we've we've certainly known we're going to do and we're going to do now. And I'm 
I'm a, I'm a reply guy now, as as I we discussed in a, a thing previous to this. And so, you always have been replying always have been. to the whole of the Young Restless and Reform. And we really have, man. I mean, we've from the beginning, we've planned to do um, some stuff with Doug Wilson and, and some of the interesting stuff that's happened. This does open up now. Finally, we can um, react to the uh, the time that Mark Driscoll went and preached about the, the spiritual gifts at Doug mm-hmm. Wilson's church um fascinating event (laughs) it is i now let me say two other things about this uh let me talk i think we will do a patreon where i will discuss my full background with doug wilson uh the good the bad and the ugly i'll just say this for everyone who might be surprised there was a time where uh like my mark driscoll listening there was a time where i was listening to huge amounts by this guy um that is not really the case anymore uh though it's a different so i'm not saying it's parallel but i just want to say i'm only saying that to say that i am not coming at this with like i have no familiarity i'm just going to um there was a time where i followed the controversies um and good and bad um so that that is that is all to say that and we can talk about that i mean if it's relevant i don't know that it will be um, the other thing is, I think that this is a very classic story of the, um, story is not yet finished on Doug Wilson or what they're trying out there. Um, and someone might go, you're, you're crazy. Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the story is finished and it is a astounding victory or the worst thing that's ever happened. I don't know because people say both things. Uh, but I do know. I remember when the story wasn't finished at Mars Hill and I thought this was going to be the greatest thing that ever happened. And I now try and slow my roll when I'm come from a complete distance, right? A complete, I'm completely removed and disconnected. So I now, I now don't say that I don't make declarations uh, (laughs) anymore so much. But Pastor Michael, the reason we're doing this is because Kevin DeYoung has also broken his deafening silence. If my silence was deafening, Kevin DeYoung's was astounding. You know, I mean, <laughs> I can't even believe it. Uh, Kevin DeYoung has written an article called On Culture War, Doug Wilson and the Moscow Mood on his website, clearly reformed, not associated with TGC, uh, associated yes. with everyone who is clearly reformed. And so what do you think his traffic, his internet traffic has been like on this blog post? I bet it's been pretty wild. I bet it has too. I bet it has too. So Pastor Michael, we are going to, we are going to walk through this article and we're going to do this like we do with many things like this. And just so everyone knows, because it is actually turnabout is fair play when I, because I'm certain it will happen when Doug Wilson publishes a response to this, we will be doing the same thing. Yeah, I just saw on Twitter he's doing it Monday. Oh man, so. come on, man! <laughs> All right, next week. <laughs> next guys, week, I'm not, guys. I'm not a reply guy, but next week we'll be replying <laughs> to Doug Wilson's response to Kevin DeYoung. Um, uh, too funny. Too funny. So, <laughs> um, but um, Kevin DeYoung has written this article. So, Pastor Michael, I think perhaps in. Uh, I'm just going to give everyone my qualification ahead of time so you know if you want to turn this podcast off right away. And I'm going to do it in the form that I think Tim Keller might tweet um, in honor of him. So 
I like Doug Wilson a lot more than his critics want me to, but the criticism against him are a lot more fair than he or the Moscow people are willing to admit. That is my Tim Keller tweet. That is my, that's the view I'm probably coming in. And so sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Should I start with my view? Sure. You these things then. So yeah, um, like let's I, unload so the bag. I, I I think I could fully agree to your statement. Um, I would like I will just say I like Doug Wilson. Um, I have benefited greatly from a lot of his work, from a lot of the stuff that has come out of Moscow. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I don't feel any need to like be like the guy that has to defend him. Mm. I will at times, right? Like depending on the conversation, I might, but I don't feel like I got to be the guy that's like, what did somebody? criticize doug wilson yeah he's a public figure he's done some uh dumb things he said some really bad things and taught some really bad things um and so uh, like all of us like anybody who has a podcast uh, there's going to be legitimate criticisms and that's okay um i this is a thing that um happens a lot there's a uh you know uh uh the fact is that like right now my experience um and I've known some of some things that maybe we'll talk about later, um, but uh, about um, the way that some people get with Doug Wilson, where they just get almost like obsessed and he becomes kind of their guy for orthodoxy, much like many did with Mark Driscoll um, for a long time. Right. So obviously, you know, Mark Dever is this is this, uh, you know, horrible guy who doesn't know what he's talking about because Mark Driscoll just schooled him on on uh, multi-site churches. That's what a lot of us thought right? when we watched this video uh, back in the day. Um, and now you look back and you're like, oh, that was rough. Like, I can't believe any of us yep. thought Driscoll was speaking any kind of sense because that was crazy. Um, and I think a lot of times um, there, there are a lot of guys that are in that same kind of way with somebody like Doug Wilson. Um, and so I definitely see that. However, my experience has been that the, the vast majority of guys that come into our church who have really benefited from Doug Wilson are the godliest young men. Like they're the, they're the guys that I'm like, wow, we're really like, like I'm excited to have them as part of my church. I'm not saying there's not others, (laughs) Um, but uh, what that tells me is that there's a, I mean, this is a mixed deal. It's not, uh, it's not all evil, all good. Uh, You can, there can be a nuanced position Mm -hmm. is, is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, So, Again, I think the fairest thing I can do is I can try and state Kevin DeYoung's thesis of his article, his long article about Doug Wilson. So, again, this thing was published a day ago from recording, and I believe the the basic thesis and Pastor Michael, you can tell me if you think that I'm on with this or not, and then we can discuss how um, I'll ask you if. One, if I'm right, and then how successfully he is uh, at proving his thesis. Kevin DeYoung says that for whatever commendable things Doug Wilson has accomplished and has and is personally, the negatives of his personal branding, the way he communicates, and the way he conducts his ministry are long-term destructive. And so the negatives outweigh the positives right so pastor michael do you think that largely captures the um 
what Kevin DeYoung is trying to communicate about uh, Doug Wilson and Moscow. I think so. And um, it might help to to mention um, his audience that he's writing to because he's not writing to everybody. He actually um, specifically says that he's writing and this is a quote. He's writing to those who appreciate some of what Wilson says, uh, but also feel like something isn't quite right. So I think what he's trying to do is explain what it is that is not quite right in his perspective. Mm, sure. Yeah. He in very early in the article says that he's been writing this because he gets asked this question. And this is actually how I feel like I get asked the question. If I'm ever asked what I think of Doug Wilson generally, and I believe it is for me, it's a little more split than perhaps it sounds like it is for pastor Michael. The person is either hoping I will say yes or no, right? That those are the, uh, and then there are people who do ask because they actually want to know what to think. I think that mm -hmm. one's way less. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I actually, I mean, I would say it's it's very split for me too, as far as people asking about this. Okay. Uh, my comment before was about those who like actually listen to a lot of the mm -hmm. stuff coming out of coming out of Moscow, uh, but but I it's definitely a split, and it's <laughs> it's always fun, you know, when you get those questions and like you know. I usually smile and I just ask back something like, why? Why? Like, why? Oh, why do you ask? Because like, I know either way you're trying to figure something out about me based around this guy. You know, like I know you're trying to figure something out. And um, we will come to why later, why I will never play that game. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, okay. So how successful would you say he is improving that thesis so that whatever pastor Michael might like about Doug Wilson, and the things Kevin DeYoung uh, describes as positive, the institutions that they've built over time, his willingness to take, you know, unpopular positions, willing to be to debate, to write well, you know, um, to encourage people to action, right? All these things or whatever um, that his the way he carries himself and the way they're doing ministry and their branding is so detrimental that it basically outweighs whatever good that could be done. Tell me how successful do you think he is improving that point? Um, so I, I don't find him extremely convincing, although I think he makes some points that are not just, not just good, but like extremely insightful. That's what mm -hmm. I'd say. Like there are some points that I think are really insightful and especially um, those who are listening, who are big fans of this stuff coming out of Moscow. And I know we have some, uh, like some of his points are really important mm. to take seriously uh, about the, I mean, as you know, as funny as now it's just become this like, you know, meme, uh, but of the mood, right? Like of the, of the kinds of language and the style and the rhetoric that's being employed. Um, I, in fact, I would even say that, uh, you know, there at one point we we don't have to get into it now because it's near the end of that article. Um, but I'll bring it up. But there is a point where he he mentioned something that I found to be uh, he maybe struck on it in a way that I've not actually heard anybody else in mm. their critiques. Uh, one of the reasons I found this to be actually uh, so, although I don't think he's I don't think he totally gets where he wants to get. Um, and we we can talk about why that is. Uh, al although that's true. I still found this to be one of the more helpful critiques 
from the reformed camp, from what maybe the more like traditional confessionally reformed camp, because a lot of times it is a kind of it's I mean, it is a kind of like Doug derangement syndrome. It's just uh, like just a, a it's a visceral response against rather than for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not intellectual in its response. I feel like Kevin Young actually does get fairly intellectual. Um, and some people were criticizing him because he doesn't get into the substance of theological disagreements. I don't think that's totally true. I do think that he gets to some of it, but he also says right at the beginning of the article, that's not what he's doing. Um, he's, he mentions, I mean, he mentions federal vision, pedo communion and other like things that I, I find deeply troubling. Uh, but we've like, we've hashed those things out, especially within the reformed world, especially within the PCA, within, within the more mainstream reformed world. A lot of that has been hashed out for a long time. Hmm. I don't think he needs to go back and fight those battles again. Um, what he's getting at is actually, I, I think in some ways uh, more helpful uh, hmm. because it's getting down more to um, why it is that people like Doug Wilson. Cause nobody has, I, I, I shouldn't say nobody. I'm sure somebody's going to come out of the woodwork um, in this, just like when we, when we did that episode uh, trying to pan, uh, pan all of the full preterists and all of a sudden the five full preterists on the internet were all over our Twitter. Like, I don't know how this happens. Um, (laughs) So I know there's some guys like this, but I have never personally met anybody uh, who really likes Doug Wilson because of his federal vision teaching. Right. I've never met anybody who's like, I love Doug Wilson because of pedo communion. I've met people that really like Doug Wilson. They begin to read Doug Wilson and then they start to ask about pedo communion. I've never met anybody that's drawn to this, Mm. uh, to what, you know, this whole project out in Moscow because of those things. Mm -hmm. And so um, to actually, to get to the, the style and the rhetoric and the, the, you know, the emphases, uh, the way that Kevin DeYoung does, I actually think is, is probably a more helpful way to start talking about it. Yeah. Let me, let's, let's, um, let's go to this section where he says he's not going to do this substantive stuff because it allows him to do what he does want to do because I have a comment on that as well. Um, and so he talks about when he's talking about it. And I think pastor Michael and he are right though. I, maybe I take a slightly different view, um, of how I, I, as how I think about this. Right. Um, Uh, So, as he says, people are not mainly moving to Idaho because they now understand Revelation 20 in a different way. And as I have mentioned many times, no one's becoming post-millennial because they understand Revelation 20 in a different way. Take that, everybody. Amil Army, rise up. Uh, (laughs) All 10 of us. All 10 of us. There are dozens of us. Or because they did a deep word study of ethne in the Great Commission. Or because of a well-thought-out political philosophy of Christian nationalism. Uh, These things matter to Wilson and his father's followers but i think post-millennialism and christian nationalism are lagging indicators not leading indicators and i think he's right uh that is people come to these intellectual convictions because they were first attracted to the cultural aesthetic and political posture that wilson wilson skillfully embodies and so he says that's why he's not getting into those and then i can't i gotta find the place where he says he's not going to dig into the theological disagreements he has on federal vision Pato communion and the like but anyways when i have generally addressed doug wilson with people i have gone 
in many ways the other way, saying, oh, yeah, I, I definitely get what you are attracted to by him. Don't learn your systematic theology from him. He's very bad at that. He doesn't know what he's talking about, quite frankly. Um, and in fact, um, he's lost the debates he's lost have been on those issues, because no matter what you want to say about Doug Wilson, um, and I don't want to talk about the federal vision uh, tonight, at least. But he lost that debate and people are like, well, he didn't really give it up. You know, his most vociferous critics say he's just underground with it. He's hiding it, you know, whatever. Um, the fact, again, the man who famously does not give in ground said, I'm not using the term anymore. I'm done. Right. He defended that thing for years. <laughs> right. Uh, I think he I think he just lost that debate. Um, yep. I agree with Pastor Michael. The mistake often made by his critics, even though I think they're well-intentioned, is when a young man comes to them and says, I like X about Doug Wilson, whatever it is, and they go, they like, they pass out because now this person is going to try and change our confession statement on justification, or they're going to, you know, like whatever, whatever, whatever the negative thing you can say about him, largely true michael is right in saying that the majority of people the majority of people i've met are not attracted primarily by those things to him to his orbit to the people who listen to him in fact um it's when they start to say those things for example in my case that you start to go what are you talking about like when you're when the day when you realize he is unable to con continually keep a consistent definition of justification straight through an explication of it you go dang he doesn't actually know this oh wow that's interesting like and it, and again it might not move you it could cause you to go in a wrong direction that's that's very possible but it is not usually the thing that attracts people yeah um so i think you're right that that makes this angle of critique actually very wise on kevin de young's part right because he's attempting to address the thing that is most one of the things that's most attractive to him so pastor michael when you say when he because obviously from his title the moscow mood right what what is kevin de young getting at when he describes the attraction people have is to the mood yeah which by the way um i'm sure that somebody owns a bar out there in moscow and if i was them i would be turning that into a drink right now <laughs> like that's a mixed drink just waiting to happen am i right about that like to have a <laughs> moscow mood that's pretty good yeah anyway straight uh, chaser yeah. <laughs> uh so he says uh at you know at one point um you actually i think you read some of this just now uh, but you have it at at the end of what you just finish reading from the article um this is just on it's a paragraph just before the headline the heading where the mood misfires hmm. where he says uh that is people come to those particular intellectual convictions because they're first attracted to the cultural aesthetic and the political posture that wilson so skillfully embodies in short people are moving to moscow whether literally or spiritually because of the mood right so that and he goes on to say the mood which uh that says we are not giving up and we're not giving in 
We can do better than negotiate the terms of our surrender. The infidels have taken over our Christian laws, our Christian heritage, and our Christian lands, and we're coming to take them back. So the, the mood is a kind of aesthetic, uh, a kind of posturing of oneself, given the current cultural moment that we're in. Uh, that's that's my take anyway in in what he's saying when he's talking about the mood mm. and it includes things from like how you communicate. Right. So the kinds of words that you use um, it, it uh, how you how you um, use those words, but also um, who you use those words against. Right. So who your enemies are, who you're directing your attacks at. Um, it, it has to do with, um, you know, your willingness or unwillingness to uh, show any kind of weakness or, or, um, to say that you were wrong or, or those sorts of things. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different aspects to this, uh, but it, it is much more an aesthetic appeal. Yeah. 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 I agree. And I think it is this, it is, it is the. I think, again, part of this is, is, you know, he talked about at the beginning of his article, people feel how bad things are. Many of them in the past have not had pastors willing to say those things out loud because it would not be winsome. We did not think it would actually be helpful for the ministry to address those things openly and bluntly. And then there was someone that was like, yes, I will. And it's bad and we don't have to stop right like though that becomes a very attractive ideal right and so the other thing you will hear me when i talk to people who um so i talked a little bit about how i talk to people who like doug wilson one of the ways i will talk to people who don't like him is i would say you cannot learn the wrong lessons right you need to learn yeah. the things that like um the plain speaking, the um, right, the, you know, the I'm happy to get in the fray like those. There are parts of this there. And I think Kevin DeYoung will be right that there are parts of this Christians should not adopt. But I think learning the right lessons um, are important as well. Yeah. Right. Because, again, an, I think the majority of things that people like about Doug Wilson other than that, he's a very gifted writer um, and things like that, that I can't replicate. Most of these things we can do. And if you don't want people attracted to the problematic portions of him, we do need to actually create like I don't and I don't mean like I'm going to create a school and publishing house and all of this. Maybe we'll create Restless Plus and try and get all the things that Canon <laughs> Plus doesn't already have onto it. But but right. I'm not going to like I'm, I'm just saying like the the things that they do that are right you can you can and should do right these are um you know these are things now what i think is interesting is so um kevin DeYoung, why does he think this mood um um this is problem now he says it is not primarily now people aren't attracted because of a primarily intellectual um um intellectual bent right it's this this it's this aesthetic michael's talking about now let me give one caveat and then actually i actually think this was the most um insightful thing in the article and i'll tell you why um one i 
will say when Mark Driscoll told me to first listen to Doug Wilson, guess what, everybody? That is why I started listening to Doug Wilson. Um, those many moons ago. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I first found Doug Wilson through a TGC link, by the way. Oh, for sure. I mean, there was a time even post, just so everyone knows, there was a time when all these people post federal vision were still okay with this guy. Yep. So, um, yeah, don't blame us. TGC, yep. right? Don't, don't blame us for this. So, but I, I found the things he was talking about at the time. And so when we say, oh, it's not intellectually rigorous. I, I think when I listened to Doug Wilson at the time, it was so intellectually rigorous. I had no idea what he was talking about. I listened to mm -hmm. one of his sermons. The fact that I heard a call and response at the beginning, he read an entire chapter of the Bible and then like just talked about that. I was like, this is weird. And obviously his sermons sound nothing like the things we're going to be talking about. Um, but those things were not as uh, there wasn't an entire publishing machine at that time. I found it very intellectually rigorous um, yeah. for me. And I think it is. So I think where he's wrong is actually for most people, this is presenting a level of substance. If you're from general evangelicalism, you aren't used to and are going to find rigorous and interesting and well-written and actually speaking and speaking in a way that is, um, uh, yeah, pretty direct to them. Now, what I, what I think Kevin DeYoung is getting at though, um, right. When I, even when I talk about his problems with systematic theology, Doug Wilson isn't actually very rigorous in engaging on the whole, the reform tradition. And I think part of this is because he's coming at it as an outsider, a pure outsider, purely self-taught. And so he doesn't, um, his goal, right, isn't um, to engage with like what is being taught at RTS or whatever, right? Like the, you know, these kinds of things, right? I don't think Doug Wilson is particularly well versed in discussing EFS, right? You know, like these like very right. um, intellectual things. But it means that when I listen to certain reform things, there is a lingo that I listened to for six years. Right. And and had books chosen for me for six years, but that there is a um, there is a kind of thing that Doug Wilson isn't engaging with um, and that that is more what I think he's talking about, because I do think he is fairly intellectually rigorous when a person listens to him from the outside. What do you think about um, that distinction that I'm making? Yeah, I think there's something to that. Um, I think maybe the way, because, you know, I don't think DeYoung says it's not that there's no um, intellectual side or intellectual draw. It's just that the, the substance is not the primary thing, right? Like right. that's not the, the the main thing that you're coming for. Um, it's not to say that it's not there. And I like I would put Doug Wilson in the place of being very much a popularizer of Indeed. a lot of ideas, uh, right? So like maybe he's not the um, guy who's talking on, the absolute deepest levels. Uh, but he does seem like he can converse with some of those guys, right? Like he can sure. have a good conversation with those guys, add interesting insights, uh, but more so he can then take a lot of those things, um, you know, whether we agree with them or not, um, but he can take those things and he can kind of uh, put them into uh, like the, uh, a rhetoric that is interesting, 
Like it's, it's winsome. And I know that, you know, people don't think of Doug Wilson as winsome, but he actually is. Um, We've talked about this a lot behind the scenes, but um, he actually is right. He's funny. Uh, And to add the kind of wit and humor um, and kind of poetry almost to what he does, right? Like he notably is the kind of guy who at least says, right. I mean, he just reads dictionaries and things like that, right? Like he's Mm -hmm. always been that kind of a person. And so that just allows him to speak in ways that are intriguing. Right there, even if you disagree, they're intriguing, they're interesting. Uh, and uh, he can take some of those ideas then and popularize them. I think what you're getting at is you you would say that he's not at the point where he actually grasps a lot of those things, or maybe just hasn't even been brought into the full conversation. Right. right. So, in you know, it like you mentioned in the in the EFS kind of uh, world or ESS or however you, you know, want to think about it. Um, it it does seem like he's he's not following the same kind of classical distinctions right. that he's you not, find in somebody who's more well-trained. And he's not trying to move those conversations yes. necessarily, right? That's like right. Um, that that's just not his aim. Now, the other thing, and here's the actually super insightful thing that Kevin DeYoung maybe finally gave me an answer to. I think Kevin DeYoung with this description, um, and we'll talk about how successful the rest of his article is in its criticism, this idea of this attraction to this mood, to this, um, we're going to take this back from infidels. We're going to get, you know, we're this isn't lost. We're coming. This completely finally perhaps puts a fine pin on the point why Doug Wilson drives some people crazy. And in this case, I don't mean the critics. I'm not talking about his critics. Pastor Michael's already mentioned that. This, I mean the people who like him and become crazy just crazy people whether whether that's i gotta move there there's i think i think there that can be a kind of crazy but like the people that just and and again i'm also not talking about people who listen to him a lot i'm talking about like that this is the focal point of everything now there are many people who have destroyed good churches and attacked godly men in the ministry because they think that they're doing the kind of work that Doug Wilson or his people would do, right? Like they think that they're changing things to be like that. And because they think that they are a cigar chomping, flamethrower wielding, good writer pastor. Yes. Right. And, and, and this, this is the, this is, I think the thing that I appreciate about this article is it answers that question for me. Why are there lots of people that, um, can listen to him and not be driven crazy. And but what whatever it is, there's a group of people that they see these things and it just it just caught. And again, there's a reasonable discussion of how much that's his fault. Right. That's that's another discussion. Yeah. But this is why, because all they're attracted to is someone willing to give them a Christian reason to destroy everything and be horrible and do all of this. And think they're doing it for a good reason. Yep. Um, now I want to. So I I want to just say this happens all over the place, right? This is the the cage stage. This is mm-hmm. the Mark Driscoll fanboys who were going into churches and saying you need to do things like this. Um, this is the the cult of personality that is so common today. Um, it is not exclusive to this group. Uh, I do think it's unfair uh, when people try to make this like a, like this is something so 
strange and so crazy. Um, it's actually not. This actually happens across the board. Um, that maybe the difference is uh, what you said that there is a. Uh, <laughs> There does seem to be a more direct line a lot of the times. I think probably similar to like a Mark Driscoll, right? To to somebody who, uh, you know, has that kind of of seeming bravado in their online persona that draws this kind of person. Um, and instead of spending more time in kind of pushing on that kind of person and saying, hey, this is not your like, you know, you are not Luther. Um, you, you know, the church that you're at is not, is not, uh, is not the, the medieval papacy, uh, and you need to maybe sit down and, and take your time a little bit. Now, if, you know, I listen to, uh, you know, I, I've, and over the years have listened to a lot, um, coming out of, of Moscow, a lot of stuff from Doug Wilson, I read a lot of his stuff. I've read a lot more, listened to a lot more recently um, from and listened to regularly uh, stuff from N.D. Wilson, um, who I think is a phenomenal author, uh, really enjoy a lot of his stuff. So this is Doug Wilson's son. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to hear um, him talk about his dad uh, when he talks about um, his dad in this particular, you know, Area. And I can't tell you where this is or or when I heard this because I have no idea. Uh, but I remember it listening to things where he would just talk about how, you know, like there's so many people um, that have this sense that like they are carrying on the legacy of this man. Um, and, and even for him as the son of Doug Wilson, uh, he mentioned that like there's a lot of people that were like, yeah, like you don't, you know, almost like you don't deserve to be the son of Doug Wilson because you don't you're not carrying on his legacy like I do. Right. Or like I would. Um, and, and that's an interesting thing where you have that cult of personality develop, um, where, you know, you have guys that are willing to say to, uh, you know, somebody's son, Hey, this is the way it is. But I just remember him saying, Hey, listen, like what a lot of these guys don't realize this is Andy Wilson, uh, saying I, what a lot of these guys don't realize is my dad didn't write any of the stuff he wrote until he was like 40 years old. He didn't publish anything till he was an older man, right? Till he had well established his family, like his, his focus was there. He didn't, you know, uh, and I don't know, don't quote me on the the age, right? But his point was, hey, my dad like dealt with his own things and and the, the most immediate responsibilities he had first. And, uh, you know, he mentioned, he was like, you know, my dad never uh, like disciplined me in anger, mm. right? Like he was just like, he, he didn't do that. Yeah. And so a lot of these guys don't see that kind of thing. Um, a lot of people don't see that side of, of, of this. Um, and I can't help but think that this is the nature. I mean, think about um, the Trump phenomenon, uh, the, the, the way that so much of our culture, uh, culture of many fatherless men, um, there is this constant looking for the guy who I'm going to like, I'm going to just die for, right? Like I'm going to be um, in line with him and I'm going to fight for him and I'm going to be that warrior on the battlefield. And I, I 100% understand where that comes from. Um, I sympathize with that a lot. Mm -hmm. And you also see how that can be incredibly destructive. And so uh, what you'd love, like to see is somebody who knows that they have that effect on people um, who has been told over and over that, he's having that effect on people um, to see a little bit more 
of a willingness to say, hey, guys, cool it. Um, I've definitely heard that, by the way, from Wilson at times. Uh, but it is definitely not front and center uh, of what he does. Let's just say that when Doug Wilson saw this critique, he said this is a thoughtful, you know, whatever critique that should be taken seriously. You know, if you think you're a fan of mine, you know, really treat it accordingly. And then they, his fans treated, they spent the rest of the day trying to dig up things to axe KDY with. So um, we'll just go ahead. Right. Now, so I do think you're right. This, it's not unique to him. I do think that currently in the reformed world, this is the person who drives people to this kind of crazy, though. I don't think there's another comparable thing in the reformed world today. Um, now let's get to problems with the mood because I do again, I think we could go around and around of how you know how how much or whatever. So the reason Kevin DeYoung thinks there's a problem with it is that the mood is, and this is again, this will be one of my problems with his article, and we're gonna accept it and then move on. Um, the mood attracts people to Moscow is often incompatible with Christian virtue, inconsiderate of other Christians, and ultimately inconsistent with the stated aims of Wilson's Christendom project. Now, he says, rather than expounding these in abstract terms, let's look at a couple of concrete examples. We're about to like what like he's basically going to quote two promo videos from a thing Doug Wilson did. Yeah. And get ready, because I bet if I had if I were a betting man, um, Doug Wilson, one of the great defenses that this man musters every time these things come up is. Why don't you deal with the substance of what I'm saying? Oh, why? Why? When I raise the alarm, no one goes, you know, people don't bother listening to the alarm. They just tell me I'm not good at saying there's a fire, right? Like this is I I'd be willing to bet that that will come out in his defense because quoting two promo videos are. I mean, it's just. Um, you know, maybe they and, and we'll cite the things he points out in them as what he thinks, like why he thinks this is useful. Um, and you you want to cite examples, you don't want to just live in the abstract, but when you're like, it's these two things, see, you saw these, now you know. Now you know the tone is right. Bad. These kind of fun videos that you That's do with like tongue in cheek for sure. You're pushing into these stereotypes. Yes. That's just not it's it is not. Um, probably the healthiest way to go about it. Yes. So the things he says is that um, his deliberately sarcastic and naughty tone, right? Like is, um, is not helpful, right? He also says he takes cheap shots at other Christians. Um, this, um, this emphasis on culture warring and culture building, while is not completely wrong is often, um, um is often misapplied it's focused on doug wilson the rebel and finally it's this overly oppositional like he everything he's doing is done in an oppositional framework um so pastor michael do you want me to point out the good or the bad in his critiques here and i'm not going to do all of them but what do you what do you want first Oh, I don't know. Why don't you just start and I'll uh, hop in as you right, go. Let's, let's let's just do the bad because I have to do it. So 
Pastor Michael, we are back to tone, 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 tone. As a fellow, as a fellow traveler in the, your tone is all wrong. So for example, when I have, uh, it's a, I think it's a, might be a dare from Doug Wilson from a long time ago. And uh, he presented this challenge that was, if I got rid of all my flowery, flowery language, all my incendiary, incendiary, whatever, like if I got rid of all of that, right, and I didn't, and I was very straight laced, and I tried to just earnestly present my points, people would complain about my tone just as much. That is a thing he is, at least he said a long time ago when I when I was listening, and at that point I said, you know what, dare I'm going to take in my life. The things that I agree with, uh, which if you listen to Pastor Michael and I's takes through the TGC Great Debates, I would say probably the kinds of cultural commentary I was making there would be basically in line with a lot of the kinds of cultural commentary he would make uh, with a lot less flowery language, with a lot less, you know, interesting things. I, I would do it and I would see if he was right or wrong about that right and find out let me tell you what i've learned from doing that experiment and this will uh we'll come back to this especially when i think kdy may actually nail him on his language in a way that uh is actually right and he probably needs to change forever the answer is he was right and wrong he, as pastor michael and i have done repeatedly on this show i have had to defend myself for my tone now again to be fair, we still laughed. Like, you know, there are some people that I just don't want us to laugh, which I'm sorry. Um, you never, you never. I come from a home where we laugh when we're uncomfortable. So yeah. that's just, it's just going to happen, everybody. And, and I come from a podcast where we once laughed profusely at listening to D.A. Carson's subscribe <laughs> um, complementarianism. So, both of us have our own our own quibbles. One of the things I was going to say, by the way, is most of the things that he says on here, uh, you can just say about us. But which may I mean, we should take seriously. Right. I love like I love the fact that we have uh, men in our presbytery that listen and have even like given us good admonition on, hey, be careful. You don't slander people and you don't whatever. Right. So I like I I'm not saying that we'll never make those mistakes. I'm sure that we've sinned and we will sin and I'll have to repent of things. Um, over time, that's part of of doing this publicly, um, talking publicly. Uh, but I did think, oh, a lot of this actually sounds like things that we've heard, right? That yeah. people have told us. So he is a little bit right, but he's also very wrong. I right, I can say a lot of these views and not get any of the pushback he does the moment he the moment he puts it this way. So I think he to a point is right. What he's his point is right. There's a group of people that if they disagree with you, they will but they know they have no intellectual case. They will always say, it's not what you said, it's how you say it. He's right, there is a group of people like that on earth. But he is wrong that, and 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 it's not that people aren't uncomfortable, uh, but they, because they may not have a, a response, but he's wrong. He does strike a particular tone that does cause more flash than is needed. And that might just be because he's a better writer. I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not judging it at this point, but I'm just saying in my personal life experiment, he's a little bit right, but he's also wrong. Right. So that's the, uh, that's the, that's the tone thing. Um, 
and that we will always there will always be a disagreement on tone. I don't expect anyone to think that I have the right tone all the time or Pastor Michael has the right tone all the time. I'm sure it would be silly and bad if there were people trying to to sound like me, which will never happen because I will never be right. I will never be popular right on this level. Um, but yeah, so that that's that's the that's uh the I mean, right when he's when we're talking about like, oh, don't call someone a wuss and don't make jokes about the ERLC. It's kind of like, dang, man, like it's okay. Like, th- like it is okay. <laughs> it is okay. Also the what, like to <laughs> when you're like, Hey, one of the two organizations I'm going to jump in on that they made fun of is the ERLC. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, they. Uh, that was a pretty good one, actually. There's a hundred percent place for that. So yes, right. So yeah, now, that doesn't play well. Right. Uh, you You're know, wrong. Katie, why that one? That one doesn't play well. What if? What if it hurt the ERLC's feelings? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get it, man. Like, what if, you know, like right? Because that's again, like, to 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 do something more direct to our podcast. What if we hurt Mike Cosper's feelings? for reviewing his podcast for a year. What if I did? Now he didn't listen or I well, we'll say he didn't listen to all of it. Um but so Pastor Michael, now let me give you do you want my the part about this that is true that is something that um is over time I actually think becomes a direction that is a problem for people. Let's hear it. So, I do think this oppositional Everything framed as in an oppositional way does become a problem. Now, let me start with, I think understanding, I think the lessons you can learn from Doug Wilson and the way he speaks oppositionally in the culture, as a critic, um, even of bad things in the church that some people aren't willing to mention, right? I think that's actually a thing I want you to imbibe, understand. And no, that is a part of what you need in life, right? It's not everything. The problem I think becomes if all you do is listen to Doug Wilson, all you're ever going to get is this idea with different groups of people. It's me and us, me and my cool friends, and it's them out there Hmm. every time. And the way we keep sin out is we keep in here and we push back on out there. Yeah. And and again, it's this is entirely not something Doug Wilson would say. Of course, he knows there's sin inside, but his fundamental, his focus, because in his public writing now, I, and I'll come back to why that's an important distinction later. His public writing is oppositional in this way as a culture critic. That's what people get. And the problem is, after a while, if this is all you're really getting, you are not getting the kinds of sins that happen within. Um, Let me use another name of a person who later in my life, I found his preaching. He's now retired um, more helpful. Another person that's not popular. Another person who I have profound disagreements with um, Tim Bailey. But here's what's different about this guy. Do you know what that guy's every single sermon was about how mad and he was at the reform at conservative reform people and how sinful they were. Which of those things do you think 
for me as that conservative reform person was more personally enlightening on my sin and my need for Christ. The guy saying, we got to go out there and get them boys or man, I can't believe, I can't believe how bad it is in here. You, you really need a savior, right? Now, are yeah, this is... the right way to do it all the time? No, but right. that's what I mean, right? Um, it does build a, um, it just, this, it builds an insular oppositional problem. And it is, and that is something that goes very wrong. Yeah. I, I think that, um, there can be a healthy dose of this for the kind of, you know, Aaron Wren's neutral world thinking, um, that a lot of a kind of, of, culturally driven, you know, Christian was about, right? Hey, we're going to find all the ways that we can be on the same team as the rest of the world. So that like, that is actually really helpful to have the, no, there is a strong antagonism between um, the, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And there, that needs to be maintained and understood. And you need to see how bad things are. Um, That is, that is good. Um, One of the dangers I think is when you see this coming out though, as, okay, um, you know, Christian pastor, you need to be preaching this stuff from the pulpit, right? Like the pulpit has to be the place now again, where like you're taking on the cultural sins. I actually think that's true, by the way. I think that there's a place for that. I think that's good. I think um, like if you have never, ever um, from the pulpit ever, you know, mention the sins of abortion or the sins of like whatever, you know, uh, you know, culture warring type, things are often see i put quotations that nobody's going to see i put up quotation marks for culture warring uh, because it's just sin right it's just it's just corrupt sinful things but what has happened in a lot of these places is uh, that everything is judged on whether or not you're doing that but you can do that and never actually preach to the sins of your people yep right you can do that and not preach to the sins in your church and that's easier Right. It, I mean, it's way easier to be the person that is just calling out the sins of all those people out there. Yep. Now, you, I think you should. Right. I think you should be doing that from time to time. I think that should be a part of what you're doing because scripture calls out sins of the world. Right. I mean, that's that's something that scripture does As you preach through scripture. Uh, that's going to happen. There's also going to be a lot of times that you even the vast majority of times you should be applying those texts in a way that is applicable to the people in front of you. Mm. Um, and like you said, I mean, this is the public, the outside facing ministry of somebody like Doug Wilson. Uh, I don't know. And, you know, I haven't probably listened to near as many, you know, sermons and things from him as you have. I used to listen to a handful anyway, uh, from time to time and was, and benefited from them. Right. I, I very much did benefit from them. Um, I, I'm not in the place where I could say whether or not that's, you know, different in his sermons. Uh, but the the issue at hand is that what happens is guys will read Doug Wilson and think this is how I'm supposed to preach. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But like blog and may blog, which is a great name for a blog is like, that's not, it's not preaching, right? It's not preaching to your people. It's not shepherding, right? It's not, it's not doing that. It might play a little bit of that role um, for Doug Wilson to his people more directly uh, but for the the guy living in Wisconsin reading that, 
and then thinking, oh, why isn't my pastor saying these things on Sunday morning? Well, because that's not what a pastor does. Exactly. Right. That's not the pastor's job. Yes. And and so I think that, yes, this is the big thing. Your pastor, by the way, is may, is not called to be a culture critic for you and may not be a good one. And that's OK. And demanding that he be one is foolish. And by the way, Doug Wilson exists. You can go read the blog. Like, I, like, I, like, I, you know, like someone does that. There you go. You can enjoy. Um, the, the other problem again, and this is the thing, right? When he says that if this is about culture warring and culture building and that's right. And then De Kevin DeYoung says rightly understood. It's good to do both of these things. Culture warring and culture building rightly understood. It's good to do both of these things. Kevin DeYoung. Um, um, I need you to tell us how, right? Like mm. I need you. Yes. If, if doing it this way is wrong, I need you to tell us how, if there's a way to do this, then yes. you need to do it right. Or somebody does, because uh -huh. that is true. There is a void in yes. this area and there's plenty of pastors. And I don't even think, you know, I think that there's, uh, I think that, uh, you know, Stephen Wolf, another he, sh he who shall not be named, but we've had him on the podcast, so we have to name him now. Uh, but like something that he's mentioned is, yeah, maybe uh, pastors shouldn't be the ones doing political theology um, and and doing the, the political side of things. Um, and that actually, that's probably really good. Um, that would be a good thing. So I'm not necessarily saying that Kevin DeYoung has to do that, right. but there are so many guys who will critique the kind of cultural posturing of Doug Wilson and say, that's not the right way to do it, mm -hmm. but without any clear examples that are given. Right. And you might say, well, I've told people before how to do this or yep. something like that, but, but there's nobody doing it in a way that actually gets in front of them in a way that people can hear and listen to on a podcast or read on a blog or like there, there's just, people do not have that in front of them in the same way. So there is a void without it. Because and I and again, I'm pointing that out because it's like we're in a one cent like when you make a one sentence, there is a good way to do it. Rightly understood. This isn't it. The end. That's what I write. Like, again, I'm not saying you need to, you know, right. You have to be yeah, doing link it. to a book or link exactly. to like do something right. Like show somebody something of what to do. Yes. Maybe maybe link to a book that, you know, uh, walks through what the historic reform confessions have to say about the civil magistrate. Yes, right. Like that's an option. Now, now on the other side of the culture war, I'm just going to say, I think a bit of this, I think we are we are kind of jumping the shark here in Moscow. The fact that you can order a you can legitimately order a flamethrower from them today, like that's like Fonzie on the skis going over a shark guy. Like, <laughs> that was a cooler idea when someone pitched that than like actually serious people. Like, you know, like, and I get that it's not meant to be serious, but again, we'll, you know, we'll come back to this, the problem of, of levity. Um, I think but, it's hilarious, by the way, I have, I have zero problem with Canon press marketing a flamethrower. It's, it's, it's Right. And many people, I'm sure, enjoyed the episode where Fonzie jumped the shark. It just was marking <laughs> marking the end of, of that viability of that. That's all. Let's get down. Let's let's get a little bit closer to these more substantive critiques.
Um, because part of the reason, you know, um, De Young is worried is because of what you win them with, you win them too. And so he's yes. concerned about what, um, the, if Doug Wilson is using certain things to win people, he's winning them to certain things. Now, let me say, um, I will give one of the one of the things that I found interesting that I want to ask Pastor Michael about, and then we'll get to like the really substantive things, and we'll work through this to the end. And this is already too long, but that's okay. Um, so the first thing is he mentions he describes what Doug and I think Doug Wilson. I don't know. We'll see if he takes issue with this. He describes Doug Wilson as a master of the Montan Bailey approach mm. that you make an outrageous statement. Yep. That fires up the internet when pressed, you retreat to a milder version of the same statement without ever giving up the original, right? And now the important thing about the Mountain Bailey approach is that is a fundamentally dishonest way to argue. Yeah. Um, just like so when he says that, he's saying Doug Wilson uses a dishonest form of rhetoric, right? Yeah. And again, he's he's doing it in the most Kevin DeYoung, like again, yeah, high level. <laughs> he by the way, there there are a handful of these that were put in. So I specifically marked that one too, but there are a handful of these that he slipped in there that you can, like, if you're just reading, you might just read right past, but they're pretty solid digs, you know, like they're pretty strong digs at the guy. Right. So, so I think Doug Wilson would describe this as no, I'm, I am going to make my strong statement and then I'm going to qualify it yep. appropriately. But my qualifications, right. The, the things that, you know, the exceptions that prove the rule don't don't disagree with my strong statement. Um, but I don't know. Pastor Michael, do you think this is a fair, at least sometimes a fair critique of how Doug Wilson does things? He yeah, says, I think it is. I, I think it is. It's not to say that this is he always does this or he, does you know, whatever. I Because I actually do think that Doug Wilson is generally pretty thoughtful. Um, a lot of the stuff he says, I think he... I think on a lot of things, he does know what he's talking about. He does things intentionally. I think there are a lot of times, though, um, that the move is a Mott and Bailey. It is a say things on an extreme and then come back and not just like it. It is qualifying it, but very often it just changes the substance of it. Right. right. This is why, you know, so much of the, you know, uh, some of the stuff written about justification or about EFS or about whatever things will be said that are like, like really concerning. And then the qualifications, well, you know, oh, well, not like, not theonomy, like Bonson theonomy, but like general equity. Well, what, like, what are you talking about? You're like, that's not a thing, right? Like, that's just not, uh, a, a thing. And so, um, so it does seem to me that it is it from a distance, right? Like I'm not, I'm not actually trying to, because I don't care to, uh, like, I don't feel the need. Like I really got to get this guy. Like yeah. I really got to find something wrong with Doug Wilson. There's a lot of people out there that feel like they have a mission in life to really figure out what's wrong with this guy. I don't feel that at all. I don't feel any need to do that. Just like, I don't feel any need to like strongly defend him. Um, but it does a, from a distance, sometimes reading some of his justifications of things, qualifications, uh, what have you, um, his explanations of things does come across as, um, as I, you know, I don't want to say dishonest cause I don't think it's intentionally deceitful, mm. but it does come across as I'm the kid 
who will never say I was wrong. Right. And that's how it comes across. Yeah. And, and this, I know how to get attention, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's yes. a, um, but it is a attention getting strategy. Again, this is where the, where we might, the aesthetic, the rhetoric gets in the way of the message. Cause you've decided to present it in a way because when, for example, in one of his videos where he's like, we're not incendiary people. We're not the ones trying to start the fire. Obviously, that is also not true to a degree. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and again, I don't think it's always wrong to say I'm here to start an argument. That's not always wrong. Yep. Right. But again, I do think um, for what, again, I do think that it basically whether it's intentional or not, I do think it veers into a dishonest form of argumentation. And that is probably, you're right, how so much of these bad theology things, why they took so long. Because he kept going around and around. Yep. And guess what? Even if this wasn't intentional, that means he, he chose to open himself up to the... 25 years of being called a liar that he has has faced which is unfortunate that is like that is an unfortunate um outcome for you and everyone else right that that with this writing style this argument style now i think the thing that maybe i am not a wilting violent i do not have virgin ears but i think finally someone has convinced me and i didn't maybe and maybe uh this is probably the first time so someone's like i can't believe this is the first time <laughs> uh, and some of you are like no now you're a girl you you now you think I, now you think i'm a wuss right i think someone has uh i think de young has persuasively made the case that um doug wilson's language deliberate language is not good is a problem at the very least um, and should probably be abandoned. And if you are a um, if you are a fan of him, you should never ever attempt to to follow him in this way. And do you want to do you want to know how I know you shouldn't try and follow him this way? Pastor Michael's been talking about N.D. Wilson. Do you know who doesn't use this kind of rhetoric or language? His son. Like, and now I'm not even saying his son would be like, oh, my dad's off the rocker. He doesn't do that. I'm saying he doesn't tr do this. Uh, his son's a better writer than him, which is impressive because they're both very good writers. But right. His son does not speak this way. Right. Uh, so you should not try. Um, I do think Kevin DeYoung is right. And so when people are like, can you imagine ever trying to speak to this horribly vulgar man in person? Kevin DeYoung points out an article he wrote when Rachel Held Evans died that shows he has a different side. I think it is 100% unfair if someone's like, look at how he said this. Can you imagine having to sit in his presence and how horrible he must be? Right. I bet he just does this at the dinner table. Yeah. Obviously, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just... I don't know anything about what his like in a, as a pastoral counselor. Um, but obviously none of it is um, like this. Now, Pastor Michael, again, part of the reason I know there's a problem here is because I don't know how many of these things I should even read out loud on our. I know. I know. Well, so this actually points out some of the issue, right? So, yes. um, you know, something that uh, will often be brought up when it comes to some of the harsh language that's used Um well, yeah. So 
number one, what's often brought up is we'll look the prophets use language like go read Ezekiel, right? I literally, I said this in a sermon like several weeks ago about how like I could read parts of Ezekiel from the pulpit in church and it's Bible and all of us would feel uncomfortable and feel like I did something wrong. Right. Right. So that's like, uh, it's true that harsh language is used at times. It, like yes. strong, even uh, sexualized language is used in scripture. One of the things that you'll notice if you actually read the whole of scripture is that it is not common and it is specifically made to make you feel horrible because of the horrible situation. Uh, usually be, it's usually exposing uh, extreme sin. Now, I don't, um, I'm not ready to outright condemn using I don't know if I'm ready to, you know, so the fact that I'm unwilling to read a lot of this out loud, you know, says that maybe I don't, you know, I, mm -hmm. I'm not going to fully back what I'm about to say, but I'm not ready to say, Hey, there's never a place for any of these words, right? Hey, it would never be okay to use these things. But when you have become known at least in some regard. Now, I mean, Doug Wilson has written an unbelievable amount of words, right? Uh -huh. The public words that are out there from him is a lot. Yes. And if you just did like, uh, here's all the public words that Kevin DeYoung has wrote, and here's all the swear words he's mentioned, and all of them would just be him quoting Doug Wilson articles. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just took like everything Doug Wilson's written, and here are all of the, you know, like curse words or whatever that he's used or, or other just, you know... Um, other other language um i don't know that the percentage is going to be like crazy different right just because of the amount of language and so i want to take that into consideration right i'm a new i'm actually a nuanced guy i'm going to take that into consideration i'm going to take into consideration the context that this is being uttered in but again when i think about the way that scripture uses strong and harsh language it is it is not um it is not done flippantly. Yeah. And it does feel at times like it's done flippantly here. And, it, and even if let's just like, I want to be the guy that's helping you out there who are like, no, we have to defend Doug Wilson. Uh, even if the way that Doug Wilson uses these things wasn't that way. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think that's true all the time, but let's just say, no, like he used these with an intention that was maybe you could justify. Um, in the end, the context and everything, maybe we could justify. I mean, we are not going to be reply guys for each of those articles. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, even if that's true, the people that follow him, a lot of times what they're learning is, oh, I am supposed to use these more often or I can. Right. Like it, it gives a kind of license to the disciples, to the next generation to use this more regularly. Now, um, I think a lot of, of Christians when it comes to language, when it comes to how they use words are legalists, right? So they'll say like, it's, you know, there are certain words that if you ever utter them under any circumstances, it is a sin. I don't think that's true. I think that, I mean, the nature of language being organic, there are words that you use, you know, polite Christian that your grandparents or great grandparents would probably be appalled by. And that's just the nature of language. And so I want to take that into 
consideration. Right. Um, I do think that most of us are legalists. And, you know, so we, we act like people act when they're afraid of the power of a gun, right there. So guns are dangerous. They can kill people. So uh, nobody should ever touch them. We shouldn't have them. We shouldn't own them. We should ban them. We should legislate against them, et cetera. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, that's not actually the right way to do it. Actually, what we should say is um, that, no, it takes wisdom to use this and you have to grow up to the point of wisdom to be able to use this. And it's only the kind of thing that should be used in certain contexts. And it's not all of the time. It's not regular. And if you're doing it flippantly, then you're not the kind of person that should be doing this. Right. Because uh, there's, I mean, there is language that you and I would use. Not, it's not like this, by the way. It's not even, it's not even everything that Kevin DeYoung listed in this article. So please don't start thinking that. But there are things that we would say together, yep. like when it's just you and me, that we're not going to say around other people. Right. Right. But, but we're not using it in a way that is, you know, demeaning, that's trying to attack somebody, that's trying, whatever. Yeah. Um, or maybe sometimes it is. We have to, you know, seek forgiveness. Yeah. Um, I do. Yeah, I, I have some other thoughts, too, but I'll let you. So, so let me explain why I think he finally lands the blow. I will use one example from Doug Wilson where I think it is a justified use of harsh language. And then I will use one that Doug that Katie Y quoted that I think is a quite obvious example of where it's not. Now, let me just say, here's the issue at the end of the day, that no matter how effective these things might be, right? When they're, when Doug Wilson says, well, no, get at the substance of what I'm saying. Like at some point, how you say it does matter. And Paul does care about how ordained ministers of the gospel do say these things. Yes. So I, I'm sorry. I don't care that when... um when you use i um when you use certain of these phrases you're like well i'm highlighting something really bad now um, and an ordained minister will be judged more harshly exactly right like there's a difference between the guy who lays bricks and is on the job site and utters something that maybe is not great versus the guy who is an ordained minister of the people of god there is a difference and says i'm following gk chesterton in using in saying like again things i uh Right. Like things I don't want to read out loud. Um, Cause guess what? I, I, I have not read as much GK Chesterton as Doug Wilson, but you know what? I bet I'd be willing to read all of it out loud on this podcast. <laughs> Let me just be clear. Um, so here's a great, I mean, example. we've, we've defended Luther for it, I, like for, for, I'm about <laughs> to explain why if someone comes, another person comes at me with a, but Luther, I will lose my mind. Um, I, Cause I'm the, we need 10% more Luther. And now it's like someone's like, well, here you go. And now you don't want it. No, that is not what I'm saying. Uh, and I'll tell you why in a second. So, for example, when I first heard people complain about Doug Wilson's language, I assumed having watched the movie Collision, it was the encounter in the in the movie Collision. He's talking to a room full of atheists and um, Christopher Hitchens keeps saying, like, well, how can you allow this believe in this injustice? And Doug Wilson saying, if there's no God, it doesn't matter right? Nothing has meaning. Things just happen. And he goes, you're not listening to me, Chris. Shit happens, right? He's trying to find, he's trying to use the exact language that an atheist would use to make a point, mm -hmm. right? In a, in a very clear, in a very direct way, in a way that obviously he doesn't speak very often, right? And in a way I would not speak often at all. I think that was a completely justified use and a fine way to speak, right? Let's compare that to when 
Doug Wilson was defending people being accused of of federal vision in PCA courts. And he said the PCA study committee was as stacked as a blonde in a uh, what a tight dress or the committee that tried someone for federal vision was as stacked as Dolly Parton after her new implants. Right. Obviously. And I picked some tamer ones. Obviously that's not defensible. Like fam, I'm just sorry. It like, it really isn't there. There's no, there's no good reason uh, to defend your bad theology with a really weird, <laughs> like bizarre sexual reference this way. Um, and here's why he lands the blow because he says, which of the Puritans or Southern Presbyterians would have gotten away with speaking like this? Right. Mm. He, he brings it into the fact that, Oh yeah, all of those, of these like reformed giants didn't speak this way. And here's why Luther is not a good example of this. Here's again, someone's like, well, what about Calvin? Dude, are you like, it's just a, a crazy thing because at some point you have to agree. One of the things that makes decides how you use this language is your cultural context. Yes. So yes. saying I'm in the culture and context of Luther in 1550 Okay, maybe, but you're actually much closer to if you're a Southern Presbyterian, R.L. Dabney, Charles Hodge, right? Even G.K. Chesterton, a more modern example, right? Like, um, like these are the people that you are more like, whose language more reflects how you, the world you're in, right? And so I think probably Luther did sin at times, but whatever his context was, it's so different than today's. It was different, right, that you think about, you know, German peasants and how they're yes. going to understand and hear Luther. It's not like this. And um, I will say this. I, I do think that there's something to be said um, to lumping all of the cases in together, right, does make it look like, OK, well, all of these cases, when any uh, of the kind of crude language is used, therefore it's wrong. And when you put it all together, it does like it looks worse when you put it all together, I think. Um, I think that demonstrably some of these are not great. I think that some of them are wrong. I think that some of them are, you know, maybe you could have done better. Um, and I think some of them are perfectly fine. You just you just pointed out too, right? Here's one that's fine. Here's one that that uh, was not at all. Uh, the the thing that I actually think makes a lot of it um, the that makes a lot of it worse is where it's directed and also the audience. Right. Um, so like if, if I'm hanging out with a bunch of men and we're hunting or we're, you know, or we are doing some kind of hard labor outside, there might be language that we use. That's a little bit rougher, right? There, there might be language that, you know, we might make fun of each other a little bit more. We might, might be a little bit more harsh. Um, there's a difference, though, when you have a public audience as a minister of God, you're using your position as a minister, um, your, you know, that position to um, help to uh, advance the kingdom of God. And you're doing so to uh, a mixed audience of of believer, unbeliever, right? It's public. So it's I mean, it's everybody, right? It's it's men and women. 
It's it's those who are young and those who are old. It is all over the place. And I actually think that this makes it hard when it comes to internet communication. How do we do this well? Um, but it also does put a lot more onus on us who are are doing it, right? If you're doing it, if you have a podcast like this, if you are writing a blog, it, whatever you're doing, it actually puts the onus on you to take more care in how you're going to be presenting those things because you're doing it to a mixed audience. Now, if you are sitting in a room, my guess is that some of that language that uh, Kevin Young points out, you know, when Doug Wilson is sitting down with his grandchildren uh, and his family, he's not using a lot of that language, right? right? And and that's because the context matters. Context matters in 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 how you use language. The audience matters in how you use language, um, and how like who you are using that language against matters. Again, when we look at the example of the prophets of of the way that they use harsh language, um, it is it's not so general. And that's part of the danger, uh, I, I think, in a lot of this. Now, at the same time, I think you could offer a defense in that too, saying, look, sometimes you write things that end up online or that you even put online, but you are directing it to very specific people, specific purposes. Yeah. Uh, now, what I want to say, based on what you said, and I, you know, this, I could bring this up at the end too, because one of the things that I find to be the, the most... Um, the way, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry, what was that? I said, I think we're going to be coming to an end here. So definitely bring it up. Well, let me just say then uh, to you know, to jump off of one of the things you said uh, is one of the things that I think is most destructive and that I'm most disappointed by um, and and I think has done the most damage with the kind of rhetoric that's used um, is in your example that like, for instance, some of this harsh language is used against the courts of the PCA when it was trying uh, men uh, with uh, who believe in federal vision. Uh, and The way that not just Doug Wilson, but those who have come after him uh, use harsh language, it's not just, hey, it's the enemies of God and those who th that's who we're going after. Right. It's it's actually a lot more of the time, or at least it seems to be a lot more of the time, uh, godly ministers who just don't agree with us all the way. Or who don't want to do things our way. Well, right. then those are the weak ones. Those are the ones that need to be mocked. It honestly, by the way, it comes across as a kind of gatekeeping. Right. As if they want to be the ones who are, you know, kind of taking the mantle of the reformed faith and saying, hey, it's just us. There's no other option. Right. right. Oh, you go to that PCA church. You mean the kind of church that actually used process to discipline people in its bounds? You mean you mean the ones that actually take time and are careful about their disciplinary feminine. processes? Yeah, how effeminate is that? That's the kind of stuff that's happening and that has happened over and yes. and over again. And I've seen a lot of it um, and where the, the Moscow mood, so to speak, um, causes many otherwise good men uh, to question the PCA, um, to, you know, to be critical of the PCA in ways that they wouldn't otherwise be right. Like they wouldn't, uh, not, not because they're even good criticisms because there are good criticisms. Yep. Right. I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I think that you should listen to every criticism, even if it's really extreme and it's really out there. Um, uh, so it, it just, that really drives me crazy. Um, where you, it, it, 
it seems like you're gatekeeping in such a way that you just want an echo chamber, right? But as you have to be antagonistic toward everybody outside of you, then you just start turning everybody against each other. You start making the kind of disciples that just want to tear things down and destroy things. Yes. And that's not good. That's not healthy. Yes. This, this is the, and here is the, here is, well, I, I'll come back to this because the point you just made, I think is the last thing I want to talk about because I think this is what's so important. Let me take, I think I already made my point about language that everyone who's a fan of him is going to disagree with and everyone who's not, you know, is going to be happy. I finally saw the light and that's fine. Um, but let me say that on, I think on Doug Wilson's terms, this is, this is at the end of the day, the problem. What is Doug Wilson say we're doing? Doug Wilson says at the most basic level, we are rebuilding Christendom. Uh, someone gave me this year, the book mere Christendom as a gift. Haven't read it. Um, someday I will Right. Uh, would you agree, right? This is kind of how he frames what they're doing, like on a on a broad level. We are rebuilding Christendom, right? I think he's used the term Christendom 2.0, right? These kinds of frame, this kind of framing. Am I am I on the right track, Pastor Michael? Sorry, I was reading a note because there's just something I want to bring up before the end, but uh, you're probably on the right track, Matt. Yeah. I, I don't know. So, so if, if he's rebuilding Christendom, uh-huh. right? here's the issue right and there's this famous quote you can hear it at the beginning of every um apologia uh radio broadcast or radio broadcast at one point i used to listen to maybe they don't still do that maybe they do i don't know um right uh that our our times don't call for careful men it calls for faithful men uh and the faithful men uh the careful men will come later and write the biographies of the faithful men yeah um there is a there is a degree of truth to them but do you want to know the kind of people that built the first Christendom? They were the most careful, exacting thinkers that have ever existed. And the Puritans, they look back to as the like post-mill nation builders that we need to return to. The carefulest, most exacting thinkers who've ever lived. If you really believe you are at the beginning of a thing that is like, wow a super generational thing it is incumbent on you to get things right and work really hard this is this is the thing that like well um i don't know if when augustine spent all that time to write de trinitas on the trinity but like he believed i'm at the beginning of something so important i'm going to write this long thing I don't think he wrote it so every person in his church would be read it, yep. but that it would build such a foundation that from it, major things could happen, right? And this is the thing that when you see all of these, like, ah, we're figuring it out as we go, ah, uh, you know, like, ah, there are outcomes, there are bad things, you know, whatever, like, right, even like the mocking of process and time, that is not, that is, that is completely against your actual stated goal right that's me as i think about this trying to critique it on your own terms because you may not accept the other terms that i've um granted which are again that's probably up for debate yeah Um, do you want to say for that or or anything on that then i want to return to what you just said because this is the final important thing yeah let me add 
Yep. Um, let me add that um, I think this is in in my opinion, this is one of the most profound, and I think what could be helpful criticisms from DeYoung that somebody like Doug Wilson or the guys out in Moscow, like or anybody who's a fan of Doug Wilson and and that stuff, right? Anybody who's hearing what we're saying and thinking, how could you criticize this? You're now the enemy. Um, one of the most insightful critiques, or just insightful insights, I, I should that. Such a horrible. I'm not a Doug Wills. I right. I don't have a, a way with words like he does, especially this late at night. Right. Uh, but one of the most insightful things I think that Kevin DeYoung says um, is he points out that the use of such kind of petty, sarcastic, catty language actually does undermine the seriousness of the situation. Right. If things are so serious. And this is just playing off of what you just said. But if if things are so serious, if everything's falling apart to such a degree, if we need to take this so seriously and all you can do is write these kind of, you know, giggly little blog posts that it just it undercuts what you're saying is actually important. Right. It, it undercuts it. And I think that's really profound. I think the idea that, yeah, the mood is the message. Uh, the the medium is the message. The there's something to that that uh, I think could be a really helpful critique. Uh, I I found it very helpful. Yeah, and so I think this is the final thing, and this is the the in the end the problem, right? So this is where DeYoung ends his article, and he says, Doug Wilson. Speaking of Doug Wilson, he could try and become an evangelical statesman. Or lean on his role as a seasoned mentor to younger Christians, especially men who don't need permission to be brawlers as much as they need a godly role model to emulate as a spiritual father to correct their youthful excesses. He could use the eighth decade of his life to devote his considerable writing talents to persuade unbelievers to consider Christianity, passing on the Reformed faith, and offering deep, penetrating cultural analysis. I still believe he could do all of this if he wanted to. Or he can pepper his writing with naughty words play with blow torches and make fun of Southern Baptists. That's the other option. It will be hard to take both approaches at the same time. And this is the, this is, um, this is what you are, you are getting at, right? That this, that on some level, this tears people apart that don't need to be apart. And as I have become fond of saying at the end of this podcast, many times, I love everybody all the time. I am uh, my, um, my hesitancy to do anything um, regarding Doug Wilson, not positive or negative in critique. Let me just say, like, I can't think of a book of his that I would like. I wish I could give to people. But right. Like, let me just think of like if there was or like, um, you know, or what like if there was an article or something he wrote that I wanted to give to someone, um, you know, maybe the great example would be collision. Should my church plant screen collision for non-believers? Very persuasive evangelistic material, right? The problem is I don't want to make this man a dividing line, right? The fact that this is the reaction, our list of allies is already growing pretty thin. And then I, I just, I refuse to like, to, to join into this. And to the need, right, to join into this. 
Yeah, I made the joke to you. I mean, kind of a joke, but and it just would never happen. But I I made the joke that, hey, wrestler should be the place where we have, you know, Doug Wilson and Kevin DeYoung on and we can do a long form sit down and chat about this. And this is I, this is what I want people to know. Um, you don't have to be the guy that's going to take down Doug Wilson. You don't have to. You don't even have to worry about it. And you also don't have to be the guy that's like, I have to die for Doug Wilson. Neither of those have to be you. It's fine to like him, to like some of his writing, to like some of the things he's done. It's fine to uh, have serious concerns about some of the things he's written and, and some of the, the things that he has held to over the years. Um, that's that's actually just fine. And it's fine to to critique and it's fine to receive some of those critiques if you're you know really defensive. All of this can happen at once. And and the reality is that this is part of what it looks like to be a, a part of the church um, and the, the, you know, the universal church um, that that goes beyond maybe the, the bounds of of your little corner of of the kingdom of God, because um, God has made different men with different gifts and those different men with different gifts are going to sin in different ways. And we can accept that and know that and seek to remedy that, right? Seek reconciliation, seek repentance and forgiveness. It doesn't mean we we have to cover things up and say, well, we're just not going to worry about sin. No, we can do that. And at the same time, uh, we can praise God that his kingdom is going forth, that his, his gospel continues to be preached, that people continue to be saved. Uh, and we can just be happy with that, right? And we can give thanks uh, that even if sometimes people do it for the, the wrong motives, um, that is happening. Um, I, yeah, I just, I want us all to get along, right? I, Restless is about bringing everybody together. That's really, that's really where we're at <laughs> as a podcast. That's what we do. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you no longer get along with us, well, make sure you order some merch on the way out. Turn the lights off on your way out here. Uh, tell a friend. <laughs> well, please don't turn the lights out. Share, share, an episode. <laughs> share an episode with the sh- of the show with someone before that point. And uh, we love you. So, yeah, I love everybody all the time. Please rate, review this show. I don't know if this was good. I mean, this went so long. I don't even know if this is good. Um, I, I'm not going to put that in to this. But thank you for listening. It's been a time, everybody. 